0: perfect everybody hi welcome to nomad faith uh i got my buddy mr eddie gilman here with me today he's really super cool dude i met him on facebook from this old group i had called digital church where we used to post memes that made people mad, mad all the time and um yeah he's uh, originally from uh, pensacola florida He's uh, got a website it's the dream center he's a life and relationship coach does a lot of stuff with relationships. He's hoping to get his own uh, brick and mortar store started at some point. And um, he's actually in the process of writing his first book, which is really super cool too. So uh, if you guys don't know him, if you get on Facebook, or whatever, find me, you can check out Eddie Gilman's stuff. He has, he's always dropping all this fire for everybody that, huh. that a lot of people can't understand. I get it. I, I 100% get it, but so anyway, this is uh, Mr. Gilman, and uh, Mr. Gilman, that makes you sound like a <laughs> teacher. <laughs> um, well,
1: thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we were
0: just talking about, um, just kind of talking about, it's actually my first time to actually physically talk to you.
1: Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. We haven't, we haven't really had a face-to-face yet.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But well, this is cool, man. This is great. I, I appreciate it. And um, thanks for coming on and, it's really cool because i feel like there's such a uh, i know that people like when they do podcasts like they want to get like this guy got a billion subscribers this guy got a million subscribers but i don't know to me i'm i'm more of in the pursuit of like i want authentic people to talk to and i want right. to hear their authentic story because i feel like once you kind of attain it's kind of boring after that to me i don't i don't know that's how i feel about it like it's one thing, like, I think I heard a quote from Aristotle the other day. It was talking about that he didn't admire people who could defeat armies. He admired people who could conquer themselves. Because that's the
1: Ooh, most. that that's, that's high. <laughs> yeah, because that's a
0: difficult enemy. Yeah. Wow. All right. <laughs> the, yeah. Ancient Stoics, ancient wisdom, which which kind of, I guess, segues into what we're talking about today. Because we... we uh, so so a lot of the ways I get my content and Eddie kind of chimes in on stuff too is like I'll just post stuff on Facebook, I'm thinking, see what see what catches, what bites, who bites what, and it's interesting because some of your friends, some of the people I know, some of the people in these groups, other groups I follow, they um, they're kind of in this ego egocentric Christianity or this religious ego thing that's like been empowered by their belief like by their belief of god which is is, yeah really strange and it's not unique because i mean this has been happening forever in history i mean popes kings all kinds of people have had it but it's interesting that it's still a thing and it's still going on and it still causes things causes issues sometimes
1: yeah that's a that's a that's a that's a nice way to put it
0: (laughs) That's awesome a safe, <laughs>
1: a safe way to put it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What do you, what do you think about that? How do you feel about that? That's really- well,
1: yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you. You know, for me, like I remember it was like a, it's actually, I think it's about a, almost a year ago. Exactly. Um, Cause I remember uh, somewhere somehow seeing your post on social media. It was about this time. Cause I remember it was like, right. Kind of at the beginning of COVID and everything. And, yeah. I was like, I remember sitting there just kind of like, whoa, who's this guy? And I was just a very small, you know, just kind of camping out in the background, you know, check, you know, watching your post and I was like, man, this just two things like that they which is rare, which is really rare. And um and then, you know, obviously you got connected, but um I think you know, for me where where things started clicking for me, so my background really quick as I grew up. In a Christian home, great family. You know, I've always believed in God my whole life. Um, kind of grew up in a Presbyterian church, but wasn't really into it because it was really boring. Yeah. And then by the time I got to fifth grade, um, a buddy of mine, who was my best friend at the time, invited me to his youth group. And I was like, no, 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 I don't want to go. And he's like, no, I mean, come on, just go. And so I was basically like, listen, I'll go to your youth group, but you got to shut up and leave me alone after that. Okay and so i went to it and i ended up loving it and then i for like the next seven or eight years i became like the poster child christian like i i, I bought i had my crystal lewis tapes my point of grace tapes and my, Jack, my jackie velasquez my mxpx the supertones like you know what i'm saying like like the actual cassette tapes you know and um you know, just i mean, i was at church every time the doors were open and um and then uh when i was 16 uh i met the year that i turned 16 i met my very first girlfriend ever and uh became she became like my best friend and then her older sister who was a year older than me uh we were like inseparable it was like the, you know the three of us just hanging out all the time at church all the time and then uh seven months later in november of 97 uh we got hit head on by a drunk driver we would go to church in the morning, we go to this other church at night. So we were going to this church at night, and we got hit by this truck driver. My girlfriend died, and her sister died, and I ended up on life support. All this stuff happened. Wow. And then in uh, the next year, I started to learn to play drums, and which is '98. And then in two by 2002, me and my friends we had started our first church worship band, and then we started like a local band. We were like a like a heavy hard rock band, like a a Lincoln Park meets POD meets 311. Yeah, yeah. And then we uh, we ended up getting signed to a small record label out of South Florida, and we went on tour in 2002 and
2: 2003.
1: Mm-hmm. And then in '03, I uh, I met my ex-wife. Uh, you know, I've got to go through going to give you the nutshell version here, but it's all context.
0: You could, for, no,
1: go for it. Yeah. Tell us. For what for for what you were saying, like getting back to the the what we were talking about getting to the ego thing. Like, so I met her and. Um, Long story short, uh, I only known her for 48 hours. Back then, there were no smartphones or anything. And like, uh, I like I heard God literally tell me, like, you're going to marry her. And we were up at like 3 o'clock in the morning, and I was talking to her on the phone. And again, I only knew her for two days. Yeah. And I was like, hey, God just told me I'm going to marry you. And she's like, I know God told me I'm going to marry you, too. Yeah. And so uh, we got married in July 2004. Fast forward like 10 years or nine years. We were together 10, married nine uh she had gotten on staff working at the church that we were extremely involved in
2: uh-huh.
1: um i was i was on the worship team i was drumming every week uh she was uh play, she was singing and playing in the band she was uh, the office administrator of the church and uh she was she worked at a bank for two years and now she had worked at the church uh on full-time staff at the church for two years wait worked at the bank for seven years i'm sorry and worked at the church for two years okay And so then my best friend, my best guy friend, who was a singer in my band, my best friend of 17 years, he got a job on the church, uh, church staff as well. Then he and my ex-wife, they started having an affair. She divorced me and ended up, they ended up uh, moving away and all that stuff. But during, that was the hardest time of my life. Like uh, there was this nine month period where I felt God was basically, you know, I, I felt you know, like I needed to, to believe for my marriage, to rescue my marriage, save my marriage, and you know, pray for a miracle for my ex-wife to come back and all this stuff. And it was a it was a grueling nine month period of time. But the reason I, I say all this is because in that during that nine month period, um, my dark night of the soul. That's when things started to kind of change.
2: Yeah.
1: And one of one of the one of the first things. Um, was this time, the last time I ever saw my ex-wife in person, we had this conversation and I was, I had, a, I was thinking about a threat of hope. And uh, she basically, because of her response to me, she, she destroyed that threat of hope. And uh, so I got in my car and I got super angry. And I remember driving home with this rage and this hopelessness. And I just started cursing God. And when I say cursing God, dude, I mean, I'm talking like I was making, like, I was making up curse words. Like, <laughs> Like, I was, I was looking for that Old Testament God, and I got home. I was wearing my wedding ring. I took my wedding ring off. I threw it across the house. I got my Bible. I slam-dunked it in the trash can, and I was screaming at the top of my lungs to God. And, like, if there is a thing as blaspheming the Holy Spirit, I did it times 100 that night. I mean, I'm telling you, I said everything I could because the truth is I was in so much pain that I wanted God to kind of put me out of my misery. And so because of my religious conditioning, I thought that there was this, there was this part of God that was like, like you can piss God off. And if you piss him off, he'll strike you dead. Yeah. You know, that's in the Bible. Like I, I believe like I could, you know, I could do something to trigger his anger because he's an angry God too. You know, it's not just Jesus and the love stuff. You got old Testament God who can strike you dead. <laughs> yeah. And so I went to bed with this rage uh, and just the first time, if you want to say like walking away from my faith, I kind of walked away from God that night and the next morning, and I still get kind of emotional thinking about, it, but the next morning, man, like I woke up to literally the tangible feeling of God's arms just kind of like holding me.
0: Oh, wow. That's like
1: a- the, ta- the tangible feeling of his love. And
0: yeah, that's amazing.
1: I just, I just broke down crying, man. Cause I was just like, and it, the reason it messed with my theology so much is because I proved to myself that this angry God thing didn't exist.
2: Yeah. Like,
1: like, and from, so from that moment going forward uh, up until maybe like two years ago, um, I was in this process, this stage of like uh, what I would call maybe like a, a true spiritual awakening, you know, finding yourself and finding your identity. And through that process and through my life coach training, um, I started studying psychology, human behavior, uh, looking at other things that would have been taboo, like spirituality, you know, even every once in a while, I'm kind of going in these rabbit holes of like, well, what do, what do people in like cults believe? And it wasn't because I was interested in being an occult person, but I was just like, what do they actually believe and why? And so I got really curious about all of these things and quantum, quantum physics and quantum science. And all of a sudden I started noticing that there were truths yes. in all these different areas. But the thing that really clicked for me was the human behavior thing. When I started learning about the way that we behave as human beings, that's when everything changed. Yes. Because that's when I realized wait, so all that to come circle back around to what you were saying is that I, I realized that identity is everything. Yeah. Who you think you are is everything because psychologically and in a human behavioral standpoint, it is literally impossible for you to behave outside of your identity because within the framework of your identity are your, 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 uh, your beliefs, your conditioning, your survival mechanism. Like so much of everything of who you are is compo- is comprised of your identity. Yeah. And so, um, you know, when you start learning about that in human behavior, you start to understand that like the reason people get triggered and pissed off and we see it in this we just saw it last year with politics, you know. Yeah. Um why people uh they get attached to tribalism mm-hmm. and all these things and they get angry on social media is because anything that is a threat to their subconscious survival programming becomes a threat to them. But it's all subconscious, they don't realize it. Mm-hmm. Because your sub the way that this works just to really quick and i'm going to shut up the way that this works is our brain is not wired for pleasure it's wired for survival before anything and everything else your your subconscious brain is wired for survival and so your subconscious creates a survival program and the subconscious isn't in your intellectual brain it's two different things right yeah. your your subconscious is not biased it doesn't know good bad right wrong all it knows is Whatever you program it with is whatever it plays back, almost like a tape recorder yeah. or a voice recorder. And so, uh, so an example for me to put this into perspective is the reason why my divorce was so hard for me was because my identity was was a so marriage to who I was in my marriage. It, it basically, what ended up happening is. The survival program that I had, the conscious mind is like, oh wow, you're in all this, and so you're when, when once when your survival the current survival uh, programming that you have becomes obsolete, your subconscious mind has to create a new one. But see, this this is where the magic is. And you can see this if you pay attention to the opportunity of what happens. There's a space. There's this moment where you're going through hell. You're experiencing absolute hell. And in that hell, you feel like you're not going to make it. But the beauty of it is there's an opportunity for you to, to do one of two things. You're going to either create a, your, your, your subconscious mind is going to figure out a new way to create a new survival program. So therefore, you're, you're going to get a new identity out of that. Or you'll go back to being who you were before, and you'll just you'll just recreate the same survival program you had before. Wow. So what happened for me is I created this new, this new survival program, and out of that formed a new identity. Yeah. And so the beauty of that, um, without getting to even more, more drawn-out concepts, is that I realized a lot of the, the stuff that I believed previously was actually just spiritual abuse. And that there was a lot of toxicity in the, the 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 flavor of Christianity that I believed in, and the belief systems, and a lot of a lot of baggage that I was given that was tied up in that old survival programming, or tied up in my old identity, if you want to say it that way. Yeah. And so it's really hard for people who, in their current identity, because it's their identity is being driven by survival, it's hard for them to see that within themselves. So when you go and let's say you're. Uh, uh, you voted for Donald Trump and let's say you're like oh you're out there you know you voted for Donald Trump and all of a sudden the Democrats come after you Mm -hmm. and you're like dude I didn't say anything other than I just voted for Donald Trump I didn't say what I was about why I was about it I didn't say anything else and so but the fact that they associate Donald Trump as a threat because of their survival programming or or their identity they're going to attack you no matter who you are no matter what you believe or anything because anything that threatens your survival programming is a threat to their identity and if identity is everything now this is where you start getting into that realm of like you know religious wars uh, political wars or interpersonal wars and all that kind of stuff so
0: man well that's really powerful though because i like how you said that um, there was like a moment where like there's like this space like this thin space of where it's timed you can either take the new survival programming reprogram it or go back to doing the same circle you know like that's that's crazy because like i think i don't want to say that it's necessarily like trauma people have to go through but it seems like there are certain things that almost they have to happen prior to that being able to happen being able to occur because you won't naturally put yourself in a state of you know emergency reprogram time you won't naturally do that to yourself because it's yeah, almost like, won't. I mean it's like you know you, you could technically gouge your own eye out right now but you're not going to you know <laughs> right. you could right. you have the physical power to do it but you're not going to do that because there's this thing that will prevent you from harming yourself and that that response though is so strong and and that's just amazing that it's so strong that it plays into it psychologically to the point where you can wage war literally killing other people so that the identity doesn't get tampered with right so 100 so yeah and i th- i think and this is just uh just from what you're saying like a like a, a hypothesis or a theory i have in my mind is that i imagine though that like where you're at now and where i'm at now where you can re you can reprogram that to where you're in a place where you actually just trust God, no matter what, and you can reprogram it to a point where people can't offend you, basically, because you're just like you. You you see, and I guess being aware of the psychology behind people's behaviors huge, huge thing, and um, just being aware that they're where they're at. Like you understand, this is where they are. This is what they're dealing with. I don't know what they're going to have to go through. I don't know what has to happen. And which, which kind of, uh, for me, so, so I'll tell a little bit about what happened to me, how this transition happened for me is that I was, um, so for a long time, I mean, probably like 11 years or t- not, actually, it's probably longer than that. It's probably was like, I talked to one of my friends that comes on regularly, said it's probably more like 15, 20 years worth of That's me driving to be a pastor or be an evangelist or be this or that and the area i live in it's not really like prone to like things like that like it's like a smaller town about a hundred thousand people and but but so i grew up and like i was in the christian like uh culture and all that stuff and basically what happened with my turning point is there's a whole lot of backstory, but my turning point was, is that I had finally become a pastor at the largest church in this, in the town. And I was the college pastor. And there was really good times. I mean, like two years of like really great times. And I started working for the church at some point in the middle of there. And then I got to see how the sausage was made. And then I was like, Oh, like this isn't, you know this isn't you guys pray all day and you hear from god and y'all know what to do this is hey we saw uh apple do this so now we're going to get some chinese slaves because it helps our bottom line like it's business yeah it, it was business it's and business it was, bro yeah and i was like okay so uh all right and then in the middle of that we actually had a church merger And I know, like almost every church merger fails. Like there's just the statistics on it. But, um, I was kind of hoping, like maybe the merger people will put aside the differences, put aside their identities, so we can help the community. And that is absolutely not what happened. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it blew up, and to the point where one of the pastors was talking crap about the other pastor publicly, trying to making phone calls, trying to get funds of the biggest donors in the church to make sure they were still going to the church. Oh God. Um, it was a big mess. And the guy that left, he, I mean, and this was cause when the merger happened, I actually merged with the, this other man's the other pastors church. And he said like, this place is not safe. He would say, wow. I mean, that's a big statement. Yeah. And, <laughs> that is Yeah. And it, it's, it was true. Like, once I started learning more and learning about, they, some, they were not scared to, I was privy to certain conversations. I was like, oh my goodness, like, this is bad. And even here recently, the guy who was helping in the college ministry with me, who was one of the elders, was caught, like, trying to molest a teenager. Mm-hmm. And this was, he was already, though, on the sexual predators list. Oh, wow. Elder. But he has a lot of money. So you start seeing this picture get painted of like...
1: There's an exception. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, the God, I prayed God forgave him. He changed or something. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm not saying (laughs) that doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but come on. It's like, all right. Like, you guys, you're not even hiding the fact that you're doing that. And I mean, and even in my little town, there's other, like, multiple millionaires. And they know them. And they would use the whole tithes and offerings thing to get their money because the building they had was like a multi million dollar building, you know? Oh, God. So anyway, I ended up leaving because God let me out of that finally and he kinda told me I completed what I needed to do. And so then I went on this the sabbatical basically is what I called it. Where I where I went to Seattle, did all that stuff and just kinda tried to figure out life. <laughs> figure right. out what went wrong and figure out where all the pain and disappointment came from. That's really what triggered me is, like, being disappointed, I guess, is what kicked my survival reprogramming into gear. Right. I'm, I'm the type of person that's, like, if you tell me something and you don't do what you said, then it's, like, really offensive to me. Not, like, you could make fun of me. You could talk mess or whatever, and I'm okay, but if, like, you promise me something and I'm supposed to trust you and then you don't do it. That's like big X red flag for me. Like, and if you do it more than one time and that's like the end of our relationship basically. Right. And so so I've had, that's what happened with that. And that's how I ended up getting into the, like, like one of the groups I'm part of, they call it deconstruction, which I don't know if you've ever heard that term, Christian Mm -hmm. deconstruction. Okay. I'll, I'll send you the link there's these guys in this town actually which is really very fortunate for me um there's a whole field of of, of people that are called christian deconstructionist and mm-hmm. they they're they're it's their their goals very similar to you like they have like it's like a spiritual therapy thing yeah yeah okay that's yeah, awesome I, yeah i mean we we even talked about that before when i was still doing the excuse me still doing the digital church thing about creating a creating an avenue for that because there's so many people that are victims of it And but absolutely, they, but they don't even know they're victims of it Because the programming tells them otherwise it says that as long as you have friends a lot of people who know your name as long as you have money as long as Nobody's hurt you. It doesn't matter how many people they hurt. It just matters that they didn't hurt you yet And like uh, people are okay with that. It's like um, tribal gaslighting, you know and um, right, right. I, yeah i i heard that my my friend said that the other day i was like that is a perfect way to describe that tribal gaslighting
1: it is that's a hundred percent i'm stealing that <laughs> <laughs> do it,
0: do it. it's such a good term i heard that i was like wow like yeah i, I love that term that's a great way to explain it and like i i was even you know like uh one of the things i do too because like i read like psychology books and things like that And one of the ones i was on here recently was uh I don't know if you've heard of this one. It's called The Boy Who Was Raised as a Dog. and It deals with, so basically the doctor who wrote it, which I can't remember his name right now, but basically he wrote it because he's in children's psychology and behavior psychology. And he's been at, like, he was at Waco. He was part of the people who helped try to get the kids back to normal during the Waco time period.
2: Okay. Wow.
0: Yeah. Well, event where, you know, they burned all those kids alive and family alive and all that. Anyway, he was, he was part of that, trying to get them to not do that. He's, he's, he's dealt with, um, lots of children, this, and this was before child psychology was a thing. So he was kind of pioneering it and they were just learning that children are not resilient the way everybody thinks they are. They're just, they're actually weaker than everybody or an adult is. And, but he goes through this whole process of like explaining where, why people act bad, right? Why people do things, and I mean, and it aligned perfectly with what you said. It's it's like basically that programming, even for children. I think it's by the time they're three, gets gets done, and then everything afterwards is kind of a, not autopilot, but it's ninety percent over uh, autopilot and like ten yeah. percent conscious choice and that conscious choice if you choose something other than what the programming wants causes pain psychologically to you to try yeah. to do it like I yeah. Know, yeah and he, he had with people with I'm talking children 10 year old kids 12 year old kids who had seen murders like like people who one of the kids killed like he was like 14 and killed like two girls that were like 10 and 11 wow. and he had to deal with that and he And he explains it like everything had like a trigger to start it, to start the bad behavior, to start the programming. And it's usually some extremely bad traumatic event that with no guidance that led to, um, led to this, this just completely terrible behavior that people exhibit. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, there's, there's a lot of ways we can go with that. But one of the main things that really stood out to me when I read the book was just, I was like, this is why hell can't even exist. It's like people wrote about this concept of hell, which every, which I've gone on this, this has been in my soapbox for a while. But like, <laughs> you know, you know every, yeah. every word translated as hell is not properly translated, doesn't even mean that, doesn't. Doesn't mean forever. Doesn't mean any of that. It doesn't mean that it's like completely wrong. It's it's people with the doctrine injecting it into the translation, which is actually kind of another thing we needed to talk about is like translation translations could be perfect. Sure. The the actually I take the back. The manuscripts could be perfect, but it doesn't change the fact that the, every translator is a traitor every every single one of them is going to inject themselves into it which is why we need to keep translating which is why we need to keep working on it and which is why we have to understand the inherent flaws in us when translating not so much oh, sure. the, yeah the manuscript so yeah anyway I, I can keep going you go ahead eddie you tell me something cool tell me something <laughs> good. that's good
1: oh man, there's so there's so much man that you said it's so it's so it's so spot on man like you know, the truth is, is like, you know, we'll do anything to to gain, uh to avoid pain more than we will to, to, to get pleasure. Like, that's just that's humanity. And, you know, I like you were saying about the, the kid who, uh, you know, killing the girls and how they, they realize there's a sugar point for all of that. I think that's the same thing exactly how Hitler became Hitler. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that because I, I like I said, I, I, I believe in God. Um, even though by, my like a lot of the, the old Christian beliefs I had have completely changed in many ways, I do believe that our default, you know, if you want to call it our spiritual identity, yeah. is that we are created in the image of God.. Yeah, and so if God is love, then we are created in the image of love. And perfect love casts out all fear because fear has to do with punishment. Because God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and sound mind. So I think that the intention when, you know, Adolf Hitler was, his spirit was injected into his body. He was destined, he was created to be a being of love. And I really believe that his, his gift, the gift that he had to be a powerful influencer, um, because of whatever happened to him that we don't know, you know he lived his life in fear and that fear and that subconscious programming he saw he saw you know this whole these other nations and especially the jewish people as a threat yeah and he's like these people aren't even a threat just to me they're a threat to a, our our country they're a threat to the world yeah we can't even if they're such a threat that we can't even allow them to just have their own space we have to eradicate them they have to be literally extinct that's the only way that we can be safe yeah and so he sets out, you know, starts this world war. And it's not because that I believe that, that, that anybody comes in this world inherently evil, but we learn evil. We learn fear, you know, and all of that's tied into the, this, you know, the understanding of how this happened is, is all part of the psychological parts of it, which actually ties into what you're saying about hell, because, you know, I, used to, I grew up believing that. I grew up believing that I'm a sinner. In need of, in need of a savior,
2: yeah.
1: and and you know that I'm this. You know, I want to use a, I want I want to use a bad word, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm basically a piece of dog crap yeah. in the eyes of God. Mm-hmm. You know, my sins have made me a piece of crap. That's what I'm worth. Until I choose Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and then His blood that He poured out for my sins washes me white as snow. Now I'm clean. And if but if not, then I die. And it's like, hey, that was your choice. You could have just chosen God. It's a really easy choice to make. You say your magical prayer. You get in, you, you know, use your fire insurance. And now you have to go to hell.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, but if not, hey, you know, it's just, it sucks. But you're going to get thrown into the lake of fire. You're going to burn for eternity. And I believed that. I believed that for over 30 years of my life. And, But then when I came out the other side, I realized that hell really was nothing more that an idea that, um, that that came from man, it's a theology, it's a theory, we can't even prove it. Yeah. There's a fourth, there, there, in every faction of Christianity, whatever flavor, or even any religion, like you were saying, there's always the grandfather of it. There's always the initiator of it. There's somebody came up with these theories and these philosophies, and then they got people to agree with them, or people like, yeah, like, it's like me and you. Like yeah. let's say that you that we were gonna for- grandfather uh, a new flavor of Christianity, a new denomination, if you will. Mm-hmm. We're like hey, we're gonna go out, we're gonna start Eddie-anity. That's what we're gonna call it.
0: Eddie-anity, I like it.
1: And it's my and it's my flavor of Christianity. And so I go out and people are like, man, I really like what you, I really like what, you know, the way that you believe. I like everything you teach. I'm 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 sold. And so now I get all these followers. Yeah. Well, think about this. If I want this new belief system that I've created to survive me, to be passed on from generation to generation generation to generation, generation when i am long gone, how do I sustain that? How do I make sure that any entity doesn't fizzle out and die? Well, the, the perfect strategy is to implement some form of fear and some form of control that is so intense and so strong that you would never want, you would never think about leaving it because of the consequences, because of the fear. It's all fear driven. because control has to do with fear really it does so hell hell was the the creation of hell in my opinion was was exactly what they did in christianity they misinterpreted whether or not on purpose or not i don't know i can't answer that but they misinterpreted these verses in the bible to mean spiritual eternal suffering instead of like you living a life in this in this physical world not knowing who you are as hell you making decisions that create pain and suffering for yourself as hell you not knowing that you're created in the image of love creating the image of god that's a certain type of hell there's all these choices and decisions and ways that we exist in this life that is a certain type of hell in of itself yeah. we don't need, we don't need there to be an eternal flake of fire to experience suffering in hell we can create Suffering in hell in this life itself, but let's talk about the the idea of of this the spiritual eternal lake of fire and suffering. So, what happens with the 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 whole dynamic with this? And this is how it works: if if you if you're raised to believe that okay, if I don't do this, I'm going to get that, and it's the most severe, worst possible outcome punishment ever. What is the likelihood that you're actually going to? not make that choice because think about this it's not like hey i'm a good person i didn't do anything wrong but i didn't i didn't choose jesus as my lord and savior well you get the same level of punishment as someone like adolf hitler right yeah yep. like like because like, it, it's the same like all sin is the same there's no there's no <laughs> metrics there's no metric system
2: yeah
1: so hold on Let's use let's let's go there for a minute. Let's use Adolf Hitler. Like we could all agree that he was a really evil, evil person, one of the most evil people in in history. Yeah. Does he really deserve to burn in a lake of fire for eternity? For ever for what he did? No. I mean, think about it. Think (laughs) about think about burning, consciously burning in a lake of fire for 30 days days non-stop no relief for just 30 days not even forever just 30 days yeah would that be an appropriate punishment maybe for somebody who was as evil as adolf hitler it's like you know like even if it was like okay for every year that you were evil and you're an adolf hitler you go and you burn in hell like okay, at least there, at least at least there's some level of fairness. It's not just black and white forever, never ends. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like, when you think about the intensity of that, and it, and it's so black and white because there's no metric. It's like you're 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 a great person, but you didn't choose Jesus. Hell. You're Adolf Hitler. You're super evil. Hell. So people are like, well, that's an easy. This is an easy answer. I don't want to go to that place, so I'm just going to accept God as my Lord and Savior. Now I've got my fire insurance and I'm good to go. Yeah. And so when you inject that into Christianity, now you have a control structure because now people will not leave the, – they, they won't leave the, 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 the belief system because that's what, that's what, that's what fear and punishment and hell does. It keeps you in the system. It keeps you in line. keeps you from breaking the rules, and it prevents you from even thinking about anything that could be outside. Like all the questions like, well, what about this? What about that? I read this in the Bible and have questions about that. Well, this looks like a contradiction. Oh, no, 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 you can't do that. Because there's other there's other rules and other little things that are in the belief system that prevent you from thinking outside what you've been programmed to do as well. Because it's like, oh, no, you you know, uh, there's that verse about be careful because you could be deceived by doctrines of demons. <laughs> you know?
0: Somebody actually told me that uh, today. <laughs> Somebody told me that.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I, that's what I'm saying. That's all it's like. Like, dude, bro, you're deceived. Like, you can't think for yourself. Yeah. If it's not in the Bible, then then you you know, you're you're stepping out of balance. And so there's all these other things like here's here's just a handful of them. Um the inerrant word of God, there's no errors. The book is completely divine. The 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 the, the, uh, the God breathed word from cover to cover. Every verse, every chapter, every statement is 100,000% divine. There's no errors. There's a spiritual abuse right there. Another concept that that is bad um, is the whole God is in control concept. The sovereign God control uh, statement. That it's, you know, well, he's in control and he dictates, and people, Christians say this all the time. Well, if it's God's will, well, that's what God wants me to do. Well, I don't know what God wants me to do. Well, then why the hell does he make it so damn complicated to know what it is he wants for us to do? Exactly. And I'll give you one I'll give you one more. Uh, I, I, another one is the separatist mentality. It's God is out there and we are here. And that we, we, in order for us to have communication with God in the right way, we have to not sin, even though our sins have already been paid for. We still can't sin because our prayers might not be heard. Um, there's a behavior, there's, there's certain types of behaviors that they're expected of us or maybe God doesn't hear us. And again, the whole idea that, you know well if God wants me to have a, a husband or a wife then he'll send them to me or my favorite one this one cracks me up if God wants me to have a baby then then we'll have one um no dumbass if you stick your, if you if you take connector one and connector two you put it in and things happen Equal baby. you might have a you might have a baby it's like the system for that was already in place God has nothing to do with it it's like it just it's silly things like that. It's silly things like that that are dangerous, along with the obsession with punishment and all kinds of things. I, mean, I could go on and on, but the yeah. the uh, I wanted to touch on the hell that that part about hell because so many people don't realize that that's what's happening. Is you you, you hell is nothing more than uh, a concept designed to make sure that you don't leave the system. It's a system of control. And this is how Christianity survives because, well, I don't want to go to hell. So I don't want my kids to go to hell. I don't want my friends to go to hell. So what are you going to do? Yes. The fear. You're, yeah. you're going to tell them the same thing. Hey, you know, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to make sure that I do everything in my power to push Jesus and Christianity onto you because I don't want you to go to hell. And so yeah. if that person is raised with the same belief, what are they going to do? Push it onto their kids. Push it onto their friends. Push it onto everybody around them.
0: It's a perfect system for fear and control. Perfect. Perfect system.
1: Perfect system.
0: And it's because it's unprovable. It's eternal. It's terrible, horrible. And everybody apparently is supposed to be going there without this special secret knowledge that only Western Christians have. Right. Which is nonsense. So... Yeah, there's so many things you talked about I want to touch on one thing though that you know how you talked about how You have the Adolf Hitler, and then you have the person who's like did good But but the person who did good even if they didn't receive Jesus in this theology Then they get the same punishment as Hitler But But this is this is the part that a lot of Christians I feel like don't want to admit is that what ends up happening is you get a person who's smarter than Adolf Hitler who gets saved, and still does the same things as Adolf Hitler did, with this right. with this fire insurance, which is where you get Ravi Zacharias, you get um what's it Mark um what's his name in Seattle I can't remember his name. Like oh a- yeah yeah yeah. Guys. I know who you're talking about yeah. Birch, I mean like Ravi Zacharias was like basically just doing every woman he could anywhere <laughs> he went, preaching his apologetics, <laughs> you know how he is, and then. Like, I mean, I even heard a story, this is like I can't even remember the guy's name, it's just a story I heard. But anyway, so this pastor was preaching against homosexuality, but he himself was a closeted homosexual who was having sex with prostitutes and doing cocaine and got caught. And then the 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 the, the, the people in the pews, the the, the members they said some prayer do whatever and they forgave him and he still came back into what he was doing before. Uh, yeah, of course. Of course. And they're like, well he's been forgiven. It's like, no, he's a brand. The pastor is the brand that sells things. He's the yeah. brand that keeps it together.
1: Which is Dude, that is so that's dangerous. a good way of putting it.
0: Yeah, it's so that's so dangerous. And what sucks for a lot of Christians now is like they see that as like the pinnacle of Christianity. They right? want the famous, rich and influential that's like the goal of of god for every person is those things which is funny because it says the exact opposite of that which yeah. is it says to watch out for that it says woe to the rich it says woe to you like you got to be very very careful with those things but um that's
1: rock star christianity man
0: rocks yeah that's it uh rock star christianity is yeah that's exactly what it is and it's it's sad because i i mean One of the things I always am thinking about now and even with these newer groups I've got involved in is I keep thinking like, where is this going? No, like I, I I'm always thinking that now and I'm thinking about vision and, and really so far my takeaway has been kind of almost what you're starting to try to do with people with, with their life and relationships is there's no grand vision. It's the person's vision for themselves. It's like people can get together united under a corporate vision of something and do great things, but the vision has to be in them. It has to be with that person. It has to be inside of them, and every person needs that for their life. And then if you can, and this is maybe breaking some of the identity thing, but I think vision can do a strange thing where it can kind of filter out things too, like. If you know, if you know, like for me, for example, I'm like, do I want to take this job? Do I want to do this job? It's like, well, this job has nothing to do with where I'm going. It right. has nothing to do with who I'm becoming. And so I just, it just kind of exits out of my out of my life, which really helps with having a healthy, nurturing, good life that you don't want to escape from all the time, you know? Right. So, um, anyway, I can I can keep going about that, but going back to hell. You know, well- well, oh, go, go for it. Yeah, go for it.
1: Well, no, what, what you were saying right there um, was so profound and powerful, man. And um, I wanted to touch on that because because what you said is that the vision is not in a person. And I love the way you said that. But it gave me chills. Uh-huh. It's actually part of something that God showed me in 2017. Um, <clears throat> so I'm living in, uh, I live close to Atlanta now. And I was at a famous place. Uh, it's called the Marietta Diner. Like, if you come to Atlanta, it's a pretty famous place to eat. And I was at the, the Mediator Diner, and uh, this was, like, 2017. And uh, God starts talking to me. He's like, he's like, he's like, like, do you know what the most powerful force in the universe is? And I'm like, well, I would say love. And he's like, well, you're close. And I'm like, well, it can't be fear. And he's like, no, it's, it, it's influence. Because love is a form of influence. Fear is a form of influence. And if you think about everything that exists in the world is in a bit of influence with something else. Like we influence the air, the plant, we influence the plants, the plants influence us. Everything influences everything every day. Like, like me and you interacting on social media, we were unconsciously already influencing each other. Yeah. Right. Like, like every all day long, like little things that are happening, Is everything is a, in a bit of influence. So the more powerful you, you are at your influence is the more powerful you are in the world. And so, and I was like, okay, well, where were you going? Like, kind of, like, And so God started expanding on this idea of this thing. And then he asked me another question. He said, said, "Do said, do you know what the number one problem is in the world? That if this one problem was fixed, you would experience the closest thing to heaven on earth. You would experience the closest thing. I mean, there would still be like natural disasters and weather problems and stuff like that. But in terms of humans getting along with other humans, no wars, none of that stuff. Like we all just as human beings. We don't fight, we don't bicker, we all love each other. He said, Do you you know, like, do you know what that one thing is? I said, No, Lord, I don't know what that is. And he said, The number one thing that would change all that is if everybody knew who they were. Identity is wow. everything. Wow. And so then and this is the part I wanted to get into, uh, uh, that ties into the the thing you said about vision. And I'm gonna I'm gonna show this, I'm gonna draw it for you real quick for it so it makes sense. And it's actually it's it's it'll It'll blow your mind. man. I feel like it'll blow your mind. So, so, and, and, the, and God was telling me to do this at the table, like, like, I, like drawing on this napkin, what he tells me, he's like, all right, I want you to, I want you to, to write the word identity in the middle of this piece of paper. And then I want you to draw a triangle around it. So I did that. And then he's like, and then you can go down the triangle and on one side, you put an L on the other side, you put an F, which is like love and fear. And then he said, at the top of the triangle, I want you to put an A. Then in the the lower left, I want you to put a P. And the lower right, I want you to put a G. And then he started explaining it to me. And so this is kind of what it looked like when I did it. It's kind of like, you can see. Yeah, yeah. That's the drawing. Okay, so he said the A stands for alignment. And this is the way that people view God. The concept of God or Spirit or Source or the Universe, the Creator, no. it's it's that person's relationship to what they believe that God is. Is God is in other words? Let me ask. Let me, let me simplify it for the sake of time. Do you believe that your God is a host, a friendly God, or do you believe that your God is a hostile God? That's the simplified way. Yeah. So you can ask somebody that question, and if they're like, "Well, I don't believe in God," well, do you believe in the Universe or? You know, energy, or what do you believe in? Like, well, I believe I believe in the source or energy. Okay, cool. Do you believe that energy or source is friendly or hostile? Well, I believe it's friendly. Okay, cool. Yeah. So we get that part figured out. So now the the lower left we have the P. That stands for purpose. Yeah. Because every every single one of us came into this world uh, with a purpose in mind. The only the only people that don't know it is ourselves. Because everything. Let me put it you this way. Human beings are the only thing in creation that can have an identity crisis. You'll never see a tree complaining about not being a fish. You never see a fish complaining about not being a bird. Yeah. We're the only people that walk around going, "Who am I? Why am I here?" Or I have a midlife crisis, or I want, to, I thought my, you know, uh, my my purpose in life was to have this job, but then I hated it, and I went to this job, and I'm so miserable. And yeah. We're the only people that can have an identity crisis, and the reason is, is because we don't know what our purpose is. But that doesn't mean that we didn't come into this world with a, with a purpose. So if I was created to be an apple tree, then I was created to be an apple tree. And another way of asking this or the concept of this is I like to ask people, I'm like, okay, Jack, aren't you glad that you like listening to the music that you listen to and not music that other people listen to? Aren't you, don't, aren't you happy that you like wearing the types the, the type of clothes that you like wearing and not clothes that other people wear? Don't, aren't you happy that you like the kinds of food that you like, the kinds of hobbies you like, that instead of other people like? And you're like, of course. Yeah. Well, if you can accept those parts of yourself, then why would it be hard for you to accept a greater part of yourself, which is, hey, if God created you to be an apple tree or a fish or a dog or a bird, you know, like, like why wouldn't be able to, to, to acknowledge that? Well, the only reason is because most people are ignorant because we have free will. So. If I'm an apple tree, then let's just say my, my purpose here is to provide shade, grow nice apples, to provide food, to provide a, uh, a safe haven for birds and things like that. This, I'm just being metaphorical here. Yeah. But that is my purpose. So when you're aligned to your purpose, that's where your ultimate fulfillment is because once you understand your purpose, now everything starts to connect. And so in my work, I help people through what's called purpose depression. And oh, men usually experience purpose depression a lot differently than women do because women can do something that a man can't do. A woman can get pregnant and birth a purpose from within, from, from within her. Yeah. She can have a child and all of her feminine needs will get met by being able to care for that child.
2: Yeah.
1: Guys like me and you, we have to create it. We have to envision it. We have to go build it or we have to join other men in creating it and building it. Yeah. You know, like we, we can't just, the purpose out of of our women but that doesn't mean that women don't have purpose suppression either it's just different so anyways like as an example and then i'll move on to the next part and and make this all uh, come together here um when i was married i was a christian i'm playing drums all the time i'm like i like but i would fall asleep at night you know next to the woman that i loved you know being drummer being a drummer thinking i'm doing what i'm passionate about and I'd fall asleep at night, miserable, going, "Is this all there is? Is this all there is in life? I have all the boxes checked. I'm married. Got you know, got my my, my beliefs. I got my my passion. I'm doing all these things. Why am I why am I miserable? Because I was purpose depressed. Yeah. That is, I, I wasn't being the quote unquote apple tree that God created me to be. And so when I realized that that God created me to be this life coach, to to, to be this kind of person that I am now, when I do that thing. I experienced fulfillment to where it's like, for example, when I'm helping somebody in terms of what I'm passionate about, I could do it literally nonstop. Like I, I don't have to eat. I don't have to just sleep. I could just do it until I literally, my body would literally say, okay, you got to stop now. Yeah. That's how fulfilling it is. Like I could do it forever. It's yeah. the most fulfilling thing. Nothing else fulfills my soul, the soul level fulfillment than when I'm doing what God created me to do. So then the last, the last thing, the G in the lower right hand of the triangle, is growth. And all that means is that we either grow or we die. We have to evolve. We have to expand. We're always constantly becoming a, the next evolution of ourselves. Yeah. So this is what happens. So this is what the way that the Lord puts all this together. You say, okay, I want you to think about it as a snowball rolling down a hill. The, the more the snowball rolls, the faster the momentum, the bigger the snowball gets, right? Yeah. So, So I'm gonna show you the picture again. I just all I did was add some arrows. You can see from the A, yeah, going down to the P, going down to the G, going back, right? The circuit. Uh-huh. So this is the way that the Lord put all this together for him. He said, in order for you to know what your purpose is, you have to be connected to the creator of it. Yeah. You have to you have to be connected to your creator, God, the source, the universe, love, whatever it is that you believe that is. You have to have that created connection because that is where the inspiration comes from. That's where creativity comes from. That's where all the invisible forces and the power of who you are, when you sit down to, to, uh, to write a song on guitar, that's not you. That didn't come from inside of you. You weren't burnt. You were born with that. That's why there's only a handful of notes, but there's infinite amounts of songs. Yeah.
2: Because yeah.
1: there's a divine supernatural force that knows how to take limited things and expand it into infinite things.
2: Yeah. And
1: so you get inspiration for something. Where did that inspiration come from? Yeah. came from out here somewhere you know that's just an example so we have to be connected to our creator to understand what our purpose is but when we so then when we're connected to our purpose then when we use our purpose we grow and so the more that we the, the, then we see the effects of it so for example for me when I help somebody and I see the result on the effect of my purpose and play in action then I grow because that experience taught me more about myself. I'm like, oh my gosh, because everything in this life is a mirror reflecting something back to me. I'm like, wow, this applies to me. This applies to me. There are times when I'm saying stuff and it's not my words, and I'm listening to the words coming out of my mouth, and I know that it's God speaking through me. I'm like, I could never make this crap up. <laughs> yeah, you like, know what I'm saying? Yes, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. And so that makes me grow and learn more about myself. But then the more that I, I, I watch God through me, affecting other people the more in love i fall with with god because i realize that god is universal love i'm like oh my god this is how much he loves people and then and that makes me love my purpose more which makes me grow more and then when i grow more i fall in love with god more which makes me love my purpose more and that's how that circle starts yeah yeah now this is what blew my mind about this i did that all that blew my mind but this is the part that absolutely blew my mind the Lord, after he showed me all this on the paper, he said, I want you to go back and, and pay attention to the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I want you to pay attention to everything that Jesus said, everything he taught, and all, everything that he did. And when you, when you do it, he was doing it to address one to three of those three concepts. Every miracle that he, it, he performed, every sermon that he taught was to address these three issues either that person's alignment with god their purpose or a growth issue or sometimes all three yeah so what was he addressing he was addressing the middle he was addressing their identity
0: yeah that's awesome
1: that's what the lord showed me like he said that's it so what was jesus doing in my opinion jesus was going around teaching people who they are
0: that's amazing
1: so when you said the thing about the vision, it made me think about all of that, but I know that was a lot, but.
0: Oh, no, no, that's, that's great, man. Because see, that's, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really glad that uh, the Lord showed you that. Cause that's like, I feel like even some of the terms we have in English are just not really that great explaining what this is because it's a lot bigger than us and a lot right. of us. And so it's, it's. It's weird to realize that you actually we're connected to each other, we're connected to God, and it's it's kind of like the scripture, like He's He's in all, through all, you know, like Jesus, is. right?
1: Hundred percent. So,
0: so we're like this product of like, like uh, like my wife, she was telling me the other day about, um, or telling me yesterday about these. So, uh, how should I say it? So like, what the Bible calls like angels right and there's there's another word like in voodoo it's called metet is what it's called okay like they're like little gods or spirits that are like watch out for you right. and, they, and they give you inspiration they pass it to you like the same process like god get something down they, they throw it over to your way they throw it towards you and they're kind of their job is to do that and right then, and your job is like like there's been times for me for example like, many times where I'm asleep, I wake up, I have a song that I haven't heard in my head, I have to go to the guitar, figure out how to play it, how to sing it, and then record it, and I'm like, then I completely forget it. But, and, and she kind of says this thing of like, like uh, so the Met Tet, what they do is like, these ideas come to you and this inspiration comes to you but it's for everybody and it's passing through you. So like, if you don't grab onto it, it moves, it kind of moves to another person, it moves, another thing moves around. And so you'll have somebody who wrote a song and you're like, I wrote that, I I heard that song before then they have it. And so anyway, I'm just saying all that to say again, that it keeps cycling back to this flow, uh, the circle that you like, that's the thing that stood out to me is it's like this river that's flowing, the snowball that's happening this river you got to get in and it and then then that flow happens like the,
2: yeah.
0: the the them flowing freely between each other the identity giving the purpose being born the the growth happening and they feed each other and they keep doing it but it's like this picture and i'm just kind of rambling but this picture of like almost like a person's like this floodgate like they yeah. open up that gate and the gate can flow out and they're the happiest when the when that river's flowing through them the happiness on yeah. the river of, uh, of God's flowing that's that's the happiest you will be That's the most fulfilled you'll be that's the most growth you'll experience but But again, it comes down to knowing <laughs> Knowing that you are a floodgate Knowing right. that you need to do that knowing which is this is and this is what's so powerful about the life coaching and the vision teaching and the identity teaching because it's like I feel like the only if there was some kind of super special salvation knowledge or something like some gnosis or whatever that could happen it would just be knowing yourself that's it that would be the revelation. that's it like and what's funny is that everybody anywhere you're at any place you're at any walk of life you're in has access to that you have access to yourself always And the only thing you can change, the only thing you can control, like, 100%, the only thing you can develop, the only thing you can be certain of its condition all the time is you. And and it's so funny, uh, and I guess this is a good place to close for this hour, but, like, I feel like every episode keeps driving home this same point of self-actualization, of self-understanding, of identity, of knowing yourself you have to know you and if you don't if you don't know you it's going to be it's going to be hell if you don't know
1: it's well it's funny you say that um one of my favorite verses and i got it right here it's actually it's from the the gospel of thomas so it's not in the it's not in the actual bible but
0: yeah i read the it, Gospel of thomas yeah
1: yeah so it's so this and this is jesus talking about this very this very thing you just said and it, uh, it's right at the beginning. It's uh, like verse 3. It says, Jesus said, if your leaders say to you, look, the Father's kingdom is in the sky, then the birds of the sky will precede you. If they say to you, it is in the sea, then the fish will precede you. Rather, the kingdom is within you and it's outside of you. But this is the part. When you know yourselves, then you will be known and you will, uh, you will understand that you are the children of the living Father but if you don't know yourselves then you live in poverty and you are the poverty
0: <laughs> but uh shh, that's it
1: that's it maybe
0: maybe you guys uh, whoever's listening to me if you're a fundamentalist and you only believe in the 66 books with the 40 different authors it might do some good to go read the Nagamadi and the, the gospel of thomas and kind of pick up on some of that um a fancy new word I learned, perennialism, pulling the truth from different places and seeing what God's done over the ages. That's powerful, man, because it's like, that's it. You you are it. Like, that's it. That's it. You're it.
1: And the only experience that you can live is the experience that you're having. And uh, I won't go on a big tangent on this, but 2019 um, was the last major revelation that God had for me. And I, I, I when I when I fall asleep when I sleep at night I I can sleep through a nuclear war, yeah. like literally like when I'm out I'm out. Yeah. This this particular night I woke up at one thirty in the morning, and I was wide awake and I was like oh man dude I hate this stuff. I hate when this happens you know because yeah. you know I would just stare at the ceiling all night but I woke up and God started talking to me and for like five hours straight He was telling me that basically this one concept which was and, and this is the most important thing that He told me out of all He said He said he said, my son, if you fail at anything else in your life, or if you do this one thing, you'll never fail at anything in your life. And it's to become love. If you just become love, you will always succeed no matter what you do. Make, make that your focus. Become love, because that's what, you, that's what you are. You're created in the image of love. It's cliche and hippie and cheesy as that sounds. Yeah. God is love, and we're created in the image of love. And it's not a separatist thing like we literally are the manifestation our spirit and this human body is a manifestation of god literally in us we are we are him and he is us yes but he gave us our own separate consciousness it's kind of it's like really complicated but that's that's what uh, the way i define my my belief system is i jesus jesus is my god and love is my identity that's what i strive for
0: yeah well, amen if we say that still amen, cheesy, amen. cheesy but it's good all Praise right hallelujah you, jesus Yeah, <laughs> i've never heard it put that way <laughs> awesome all right well everybody thanks for listening we'll see if maybe eddie wants to do an hour or two we'll see what what happens See what we got going on but check it out i'll have uh, his information in the description of the show and uh, thanks for listening again
1: thanks for having me brother
0: you're welcome thanks for being on take
1: care